Now, what a blessing it is to be reminded by our younger, young people of God's faithfulness and challenge us to trust in His unfailing, faithful promises of God as we enter into the new year. Thank you, Joel, Chris, and uh, Daniel for leading us in worship and for that special song as well. You know, as we are at the important intersection of the last day of 2017 and the threshold of 2018, now, in times like this, it's so appropriate to pause, to reflect, and to evaluate. And we do that at birthdays, at anniversaries, at funerals. And it's so appropriate for us to take that time to reflect. And as I look back at 2017, the significant event that stands out in my mind is a celebration of the 150th anniversary of Canada. And each of our lives in some way or other, are intricately and intimately connected with this celebration of 150 years of Canada. When Canada was first formed, the first settler who came from uh, England, John Cabot, when he came in 1497, the first thing he did was he erected a cross. When Jacques Cartier came from France, he erected a 30-foot cross on Gas Harbor. And these humble but Christ-centered beginnings have made Canada what it is, to a point that it has become the envy of all nations, and for many years it's one of the most desired country to live in. And we are so grateful that this congregation is a microcosm of what Canada represents. At, the la at last count, we had 55 different countries that, were, that are represented in uh, Rexdale Alliance Church. And as we look back at God's faithfulness in each of our lives, and if we were to be having an open mic session, we probably, the service would probably go for five or six hours. But as a staff, as we were reflecting and discussing and praying and discerning as what God would really want us, uh, how God would want us to uh, plan this service, the Lord led us to enable each of us to hear some stories of God's faithfulness from our congregants of what God has done in 2017 or in the last couple of years. So there's three stories we'll be hearing today. Angel Ho, Sammy, and Colleen Jackson. And each of them have got a different story, but a story that magnifies the faithfulness of God in our lives. So I'm going to invite Angel to first come and share her story, and then we'll watch Sammy's uh, story through video because Sammy could not get time off from his work, and then we will have Colleen Jackson come up. Hello, Rexdale Alliance Church. My name is Angel. Um, to many of you, I am a stranger. <laughs> to some of you, I am a familiar face or an acquaintance, and to others, I am your friend. Uh, whatever our relationship, I address this reflection and testimony to you. Because although I feel minor in significance, uh, like many of you probably do, God has provided an opportunity to share about how he has moved in this past year and how I have been transformed as a result of his work. And I trust and pray that he would use it for his glory and for his purposes in your life, whatever and however that may look like. Uh, when I was first asked to share, my immediate reaction was no. And this was followed by a memory of a mentor's insightful comment that 
whenever I am presented with an opportunity um, to step outside of my comfort zone, to enter into places of uncertainty and total dependency on God, I respond in fear and run away. Uh, Does that sound familiar to you? Um, But as you shall hear more, God has moved radically in the past years to transform my fearful, trembling heart uh, to fear of him and to courage to say yes. He has been developing my feet like deer's feet to walk upon high places, high places of joy, peace, and surrender. And so here I am. Uh, This past year, my life has been one of many changes. My counselor has told me once that changes and transitions, uh, good or bad, indicates a loss and that there is a grieving process involved. She asked me to list out in the past three years all the changes and transitions and the losses associated with them. I would like to share with you three major transitions leading into this year. When I was first, when I was in first year at Ryerson University studying nursing, my hopes started out like the usual freshman. Number one, make friends. Number two, do well in school. And then number three, spend all of my old sap on food. And so, and out of God's love and by his grace, I was blindsided by number four, become a Christian. During our time of discovering and seeking for myself what it meant to be a Christian and searching for answers to the emptiness I felt inside, a friend invited me to be a part of a community called Pattern to Change. Out of fear and judgment, I rejected her, only to find myself in this community and have the gospel shared with me. By accepting, it changed the entire trajectory of my life. This was a major change. This meant embracing the death of my old life and surrendering to this new life in Jesus. This meant entering into a personal relationship with him, where he was now Lord. This began a journey of learning to trust in a God who sees my brokenness fully and yet still loves me perfectly, choosing to die for my sin and then to rise again to declare victory over it. With small, feeble baby steps, he led me to community at Power to Change, into the lives of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to serve and be served. And he led me across the world, uh, oh, and to the waters of baptism here at Rexdale Alliance Church. And he led me across the world to East Asia to proclaim his name to the nations. This leads me to share about the second major change. God showed me his heart for missions and captivated me to obey to his call for all Christians to go to the nation and to share the good news. By responding in action, I lost the comfort of having my parents as a source of my security. I lost the comfort of having my parents um, do all that, and I stepped into adulthood by disobeying my parents to go first to the inner city of Toronto and then to East Asia. I lost the ease of having my parents decide where to go and what to do with my life and chose the tougher route of learning to shift from dependency on them to dependency on God while still honoring them. This transformed my relationship and it freed me from what he showed to me was an idolatry in my life. From this freedom, he showed me more of my brokenness I learned more of what Tim Keller meant when he said, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Uh, Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So seeing how the gospel transforms lives propelled me to share the hope 
in him with those here, but also with those in East Asia who have never heard of the good news. As a result of my choices, I grieved what seemed to be negatively altered relationships with my parents, but instead I gained a mutual respect and friendship with them and a deeper sense of trust in God and his provision when I take steps of faith into unknown places. And finally, the third change was graduating from my nursing program at Ryerson University this year. This was the first time in my life where I had no sense of direction on what would be happening come September. I had, there was no longer any structure or informal education that I would be returning to and continuing. By graduating, I have gained a degree, but also was greeted by unemployment and student loan debt. So I lost a sense of security in having an idea of what my future held as a student and entered into this unknown where every question asked was answered with an honest, I don't know. This is still my answer now, even though God has provided a job, more clarity to many questions and answers to prayers. Throughout these years, one major theme of learning has been surrender. Even when experiencing uncertainty as I graduated and as I approach this new year, I can follow my I don't knows with what I do know. I know that God has shown himself to be previously faithful and continually faithful. I know that in a place of surrender, we can participate in his work and experience personally that he's able to do far more, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. I know that he changes us daily as we daily take steps trusting in him. In all of these major three changes, he has moved powerfully in shaping me to be who I am today and who I am becoming tomorrow into the new year. When we encounter God, we are never left unchanged. When we surrender our lives, we shall experience the work of the Spirit. We shall experience loss, and that is why it's so scary. But I have learned that we will experience so much more gain. When we come before him, he transforms our fear into courage and emboldens us to take even scarier and further steps. Just as when I was standing in the baptismal tank, wondering how I got here, I looked out and saw a God who provided a community of saints who have loved, prayed, and supported me throughout my journey. Just as when I was boarding the plane to leave everything I knew of my life behind, I saw a God of all nations who was not restricted to Toronto who was with me every step I took away from familiarity and into high places I could not have imagined. Just as when I stood on stage at my convocation with my degree in hand, lost and confused, I saw a God who, despite all of my failures, have brought me to that stage and has continued to guide my steps. And so here I am, entering into 2018, confessing and praying, God, I am weak. I am broken but you are strong and you are good. I'm completely unable, but you are fully capable. So would you mold my heart to reflect your heart? And with the cry of my heart to follow you, Jesus, anytime, anywhere, at any cost, be fulfilled by you daily next year and every year that you give me here. Amen. Thank you. My name is Sami Hormes. 
I am from Iraq. I come to Canada 25 years ago. I come to road hockey uh, four years ago and to bring my children to have some exercise with the road hockey. I met with Pastor Milad four years ago and instead of me dropping the children, I start to talk to Pastor Milad and he introduced himself. I'm from Iraq, he's from Egypt. When I start to talk to Pastor Milad and when he start to ask me about Iraq, about the Muslim, about the ISIS, I had a lot of anger and hits for the, what they are doing and uh, that we start to talk and I was so upset when Pastor Milad he, uh, told me we have to prophesy for the Muslim to become a Christian. Then Pastor Milad he changed everything in my life, he changed my look into the Muslim, he changed my look into the Christianity and he started to disciple me in uh, the right way how what Jesus is it like I I told them in the first time they took my land they took our woman they took our life now you want to give them Jesus too nobody's taking my Jesus I don't like to share then he changed that and he said that's not the way Jesus come Jesus come for everybody and then I start with Pastor Milad to look to the Muslim in a different eye start to love them and feel sorry for them instead and hate them and stay avoiding them and then that's where my relationship start with them and start to be more uh, open and more happy about them to meet them and to, uh, I even invite them after the Ramadan for the Eid to my house and start like put a meal for them like I mean I have to show them what is Christianity. This is not the way Jesus he was. I was hoping, I started to hope in the Alliance churches wherever I could, whether we move furniture, whether go with the people uh, to help them. The disciple with Pastor Milad and Alpha I hope a lot in my life. And I start to work in the kitchen. I even, when Pastor Milad invited me to go with him to the, the mosque, I would not do that. That that cannot happen. Like I mean, but and after a while, I understand that's the way Jesus wanted, and what Jesus want, you have to do if you follow. Before I know Pastor Milad, and before I come to Alpha and abandon life, I had a lot of problem between me and my wife and my family, and then things start to change. Instead of running out from the problem, I face the problem. And I start to have a lot of counseling with Pastor Milad, starting to educate myself in the Christianity, how to do those things. And my life in 2017, with relationship with my wife and my children, is great now. The new Christian coming to Canada, I was one of them, and I used to do the same thing. Now I become, with the guidance of Jesus, I start to help them to find out that's not their real Christianity. And I start to show them most of those Muslim people, they are our brothers. We have to encourage them to come to Christianity. And <clears throat> the love of Jesus is enough for everybody. So don't be scared somebody is going to steal it from you. I'm not worried about the land I, because I already left it after I... Uh, 
understand Jesus. I'm not uh, worried about anything. I'm just jealous from the Muslim people about Jesus, to be honest, still is in my heart. And the thing is it, I always love Jesus. And if, to me, I still feel Jesus is mine. But the good things about Jesus, everybody thinks Jesus is his. And I, sometimes I think Jesus is leaving everybody just for me. He's coming after me. He's doing things just for me. And maybe that is selfish, but I love Jesus. Good morning, church. My name is Colleen Jackson, and I'm here to give my testimony of what this great God has done in my life. When my family and I started attending Mexico Alliance Church almost two years ago, that was just yesterday, it was at a point when I had started to question whether God was still with me or whether he had deserted me during one of the most challenging seasons in my family's life. We had recently migrated to Canada, and our experiences thus far had been far less than encouraging, until a friend introduced us to Pastor Dave. Where's that funny little man? He's not here. <laughs> this is Pastor Dave at Neighborhood Connections. And then we subsequently started attending Rexdale Lands Church. So one of the first friendships I developed was with Pastor Shell Guinness. What a lady a woman who showed me through her kind words and selfless deeds what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Cheryl invited my, sorry, my family and I to join her, her life, life group over the summer of 2016. And during this time, our families came to know each other quite well. She also introduced me to Pastor Candice. Where did she go? Pastor Candice, another warm-hearted disciple of Jesus who facilitates the Moms Arise program, which happens here every Wednesday morning. For those of you who are new to Rexdale Lands Church, Moms Arise is a program which happens um, downstairs in the church every Wednesday, 9 to 12, where women are taught the scriptures, provided practical life skills, and you get to work with a mentor. And through this program, I was paired with a great Enter Cheryl Gunaratnam, who diligently and patiently helped to restore my faith in the one true God. And the God who I now know had never left my side, but rather was still loving me even during the darkest of times. The women whom I've mentioned and their families are just a small fraction, but a great representation of the people at Bexdale Alliance Church and the great passion which this church has for spreading the love of Jesus Christ to others. God planted this church in this community to restore hope to those of us who are in a dark place so that we can be vessels of encouragement for his light to shine through. So last winter, after hearing a sermon about our spiritual gifts, I, deci I decided to check out the spiritual gifts survey on the church's website. It revealed that my two gifts were exhortation and service. So I felt compelled to share this news with Pastors Cheryl and Candice. It was then that Pastor Candice shared what God had already laid on her heart regarding how my gifts could be used for his glory. Prior to this, I had basically been inviting every woman I met to come to Mom's Arise program. 
because I wanted them to experience the, tr- the transformative power of God's love just as um, I had been doing over the past year. But God was now confirming that this was precisely what he wanted me to be doing. These gifts were to be used, used to encourage others, but especially women like myself who were having a difficult time finding our father. And especially in the dark seasons of our lives when we think we've got no one. I have also been using my gifts of service by serving in the kitchen at church and volunteering at the road hockey last fall. I even managed to get my kitchen certification and I've been able to serve in many capacities at church. After that, I had a great sense of urgency to fill up on God's word as much as I could. And Westdale Alliance Church helped me to fulfill this need through many avenues. You just, you can't be bored at this church. If you're bored, come and see me, please. So, um, so then I enrolled in a discipleship class. I did my first Alpha with Mom's Rise, and I attended Bible study. Again, I felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit to do more, so I started sharing my daily devotions with other women through text message. Suddenly, people were asking me for prayer. Me. I also had the privilege to attend the Rexdale Women's Retreat this year, and this too was a transformative experience for me. If you're a woman, and you want to know what I'm talking about, please come to the next retreat. Talk to Pastor Cheryl Guinness. She'll let you know. And So, one of the greatest blessings I have had is that this light that God has shined through me has been impacting my, my little family. We all attend church here at Rexdale Alliance, and my two older children, two boys, they love attending the youth meetings every Friday. Um, you know, it's very rare that I have to remind them that they need to come to youth. Pastor Ruben is doing such a great job with them. I don't know if he's here, but he, he's just an awesome guy. Um, so finally, in conclusion, I, I believe that if we let the devil succeed in keeping our brothers and sisters in darkness, living in fear and without hope, then we would have lost the battle and our Lord would have died on the cross in vain. However, we serve a risen Lord, and I love to remind others of my favorite Bible verse in Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, and to give you a future with hope. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Encouraged by those stories? I hope you were. Let's give them another hand. Thank you for sharing with us this morning. Now, don't worry, I'm not going into a full sermon at this point, so just relax. It's okay. Everyone sees the black binder and gets big wide eyes. It's okay. We'll just have a little reflection in a moment. But just as the testimonies were finishing, uh, just ask Joel if he'd come and just lead us one more time in that chorus of bless the Lord, O my soul. Would you just stand briefly? Let's just sing that together and we'll look into God's word in a moment.
And Father, we are so grateful. Father, we're so grateful today for all these wonderful things that we've heard about. And God, I pray that even in this room and in the other rooms and those joining us online, that our faith would be lifted here even in the next few moments to believe you for the greater things that you have in store for us. And we do that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. I just want to add my thanks to all the gratitude that's been shared already here this morning uh, to this team, to this church. Um, just absolutely such a gift and privilege to serve along uh, the staff, the Pastor Chris and others with the board and the board of finance and all those folks who give and so um, faithfully serve weekend after weekend. It is a true privilege to be part of this church. You know, when we think of gratitude sometimes, there's things that we kind of rank in importance, kind of as followers of Jesus, that there's the really important things and kind of less important things. And I've just found in my own life, one of the things I can so easily forget is the whole discipline of gratitude and thanksgiving. And I was just thinking over this last week, now all of us have had, you know, family gatherings, we've had Christmas time, we've exchanged gifts and all those sorts of things. And something tends to happen when you get family and friends together in houses. And there's this one thing that kind of comes up from time to time. It's this whole idea that everybody will find something to complain about. Inevitably, those that giggled know exactly what I'm talking about. You find something to complain about, to grumble about. And sometimes we don't think it's a big deal. It's just kind of humorous. Whether it's the government, our jobs, our families, finances, whatever else, we'll find things that we just kind of grumble about. And we, often we think, That's, well, what's the big deal? It's just kind of funny. I was reflecting this week on 1 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> and the Apostle Paul is sharing with the people the things that they need to be mindful of. Things that are so destructive in their lives that they need to absolutely get rid of because of the destructive nature of it. And so the Apostle Paul is going through this teaching in 1 Corinthians 10. And he says, listen, don't have anything to do with idolatry. And so you kind of check the list, okay, have I bowed down in front, of any, in front of any idols in the last month? No, I think I'm doing pretty good there. The next thing he says is, not just idolatry. You learned that from your ancestors. Don't give in to that. All this kind of immorality stuff. And you kind of look and say, well, I haven't done like massive immorality in the last, uh, last month or so, so I'm doing pretty good there. And then he says this, not only idolatry and not only immorality, keep yourself from grumbling. Any guilty ones here this morning on the last one? Because he said there's this destructive nature to grumbling. And even the word grumbling kind of carries with this emotional sense of this mumble, grumble, kind of get your uh, attitude and things down. And Paul says, listen, in the same way that idolatry and all this immorality is destructive, you know what's equally destructive? Is a grumbling heart. Is a complaining spirit. And with just a few moments here, I just want to explain or remind us why cultivating gratitude, the kind we've just heard about in all of these testimonies, is so critical to our walk with Jesus, and particularly in developing a life of prayer. It's critical that we understand how important the expression of gratitude is in our lives. And then I'm just going to lead us in just a few moments, and as has already happened in this service, just a quiet moment of simply reflecting and being thankful to God for all that He's done and for all that He is and what He's done and even in this church. Let's just briefly talk about gratitude as expressed in prayer. Let's wrap our heads around this a little bit. If grumbling is so destructive, equally so gratitude is so powerful. Thomas Merton said, To be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything, that every breath we draw is a gift of God's love. 
Every moment of our existence is a gift of God's grace. And I love this next phrase. He says, gratitude takes nothing for granted. It is never unresponsive. The grateful person knows that God is good, not just by hearsay, but by personal experience. You've heard that today. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, perhaps one of the most often quoted verses on prayer in all the Bible, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. Then here's this phrase with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. He says with thanksgiving, he says that there's imperative. There's an imperative sitting right in the middle of this verse, right in the heart of this verse. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Absolutely as straight as I can give it to you. If all we do when we pray, if all we do when we even talk to one another is just ask God for things or tell people what's wrong, there's a massive room for growth in our lives and in our prayer lives. Because when we learn the delicate and disciplined balance between fearlessly asking God for the things on our hearts and then thanking God for who he is and what he's done for us, there's this upward movement of faith-building prayer that produces in us what Paul describes in Philippians 4-7, where the peace of God that transcends, that is, passes, all human understanding begins to rule and reign in our hearts. I mean, you look around at our culture, you look around at our times, you look at everything that's going on. It does not look like peace is ruling and reigning in the world. But here's the call to the follower of Jesus. And wherever you are in your spectrum of following Jesus, of wondering about him, this is absolutely critical to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The followers of Jesus, we stand apart in the world because we're a people whose hearts have the ruling, reigning peace of Christ in us in the midst of all the darkness and turmoil around us. One of the greatest testimonies we have as followers of Jesus, it's not that our lives go perfect. It's not that we never face difficulty. Not that the darkness never rolls in and we get discouraged. The testimony of the church, the testimonies of followers of Jesus to a broken and dark world is this, that regardless of what's going on out here, that in prayer through gratitude, we have this peace of Christ ruling and reigning in us in a way that makes all the difference. I don't know if you've ever felt that. If you've ever felt that peace of Christ ruling and reigning in you in a way that you can't even describe. I mean, when you feel it, it is so powerful. It's one of those spiritual realities that the circumstances externally may not have changed in your life at all. But you have this sense of gratitude for what God has done in the past. You have this sense of expectancy for what he's going to do in the future. It's like what we do every night when we go to sleep. What we ought to do when we go to sleep. It's we place every concern we have into the hands of God and entirely leave it with him. And the peace that passes human understanding begins to settle into the heart. And we go, God, I'm with you. And I'm discovering day by day that you're truly all that I need. Because the truth is this. Every time you express gratitude to God for something that he's already done for you, it solidly reinforces in your mind what he's capable of doing the next time you find yourself in need. Let me say that again, that every time you express gratitude to God for something he's already done in your life, it solidly reinforces in your mind what he's fully capable of doing the next time you face a time of need. You know, there's a powerful way to build faith in your prayers, and it's why We hear about God's goodness today. It's why we decided to share testimonies. It's why in the Old Testament, when God would show up and do a miracle for his people, that sometimes the leaders would gather people together and they would say, we need to build an altar of gratitude right here. 
Get some stones. Get some wood. We need an altar of gratitude. We need to raise up a monument that says at this place and at this time, God delivered us. God moved in our midst. We need to mark the spot where God came through. And the idea was that for generations to come, when families would walk by those places, the younger people would say, that's odd that that thing is sitting there. Mom, dad, what's that monument there for? Grandma, grandpa, friend, what's that monument there for? And the older person would respond to the younger one. They would say something like, you know, we were in a real jam right here. I mean, we were in trouble. And right on this piece of real estate, God came through. You wouldn't believe it. The most amazing thing happened. He parted the river. He fed us from heaven. We got water from a rock. He came against our enemies on our behalf. He provided for us. He gave to us. He was merciful to us. And then these younger people would just start to wonder, hmm, you know, if God did something supernatural right here, then maybe he could do something supernatural right here. That what's happened out there in other people's testimonies, is it possible that the God who moves with love and grace and power can meet me in my heart too? And they begin to follow. You know, gratitude and faith are inextricably bound together in the spiritual world. So every time we pray, every time we turn our hearts to pray, we pray with thanksgiving. That's what the scriptures say. We tell God what we're grateful for. And in the spirit of reciting all those times of gratitude, then you say, and now God, I expect, I anticipate that you're going to be faithful again. I remember that you've been with me, that you have provided for me. Maybe I've written it down. Maybe I've got a record somewhere. And so I'm trusting you again. See, here's what this does. Usually what happens when we face a crisis or a dark time or a difficult time, our natural human reaction is to get control of it, is to get our hands on it and fix it, is to get our hands in there and make it better. Now, I don't know about you. Almost every time I do that, it doesn't end up working out so well. You know, my belief in myself to get this thing resolved uh, doesn't usually add up to the situation. Gratitude puts me in this place to remind me, and it reminds all of us, that when we're in this place of temptation to get control of a situation, to make it go how I want, that's the moment when I remember in the past, when I've relinquished it all to God, when I've put it into his loving hands, it's amazing what he does in filling my heart with peace. It's amazing what he does in providing in ways that I could never provide for for myself. And we find that the peace of God that passes human understanding begins to settle into the heart as we give thanks, as we show gratitude. And we go, God, it is now in your hands. And what better place for our families, for our vocations, for our ministries, for anything we're facing, what better place for things to be than in the very hands of God who holds it all together for his glory. I'm going to invite us right now to do this together, to simply go into a moment of prayer where we're going to give thanks to God together. I'm not going to ask any of you to shout out loud or anything else like that. But if you would, would you just assume a posture of prayer, whatever that looks like for you, maybe head down, hands open, whatever it is. We're going to just take a moment. We're going to take a moment to, to battle in one sense, to battle against the threat of grumbling and complaining in our lives. That when God warns us about the destructive nature of grumbling and complaining, we're going to go the opposite direction here together as a church. And it's been so beautifully done in the testimonies. Angel and Sammy and Colleen, we're now going to do that in our hearts. We're now going to resist 
the temptation to grumble and complain. And we're going to move our hearts, every single one of us right now, whether in the room, in other parts of the building or online. And simply in a place of prayer. We're going to reflect and we're going to thank God, every single one of us, for one or two things that God has been faithful about. And in that, then I'm going to lead us in a prayer of anticipation for what's to come in this next year. For if God has been faithful to every single person who's followed him, and he's never let anybody down, I'm promising you this, he's not going to start with us. If the billions and billions and billions of people who have put their trust in God and found him to be faithful, we can trust that testimony that he'll be faithful to us as well. So let's pray. Father, we come before you here on this day. And God, we know that you're not bound by a calendar at all. Like this day doesn't mean anything more to you than a day before or after. But God, we as humans, we need these markers sometimes. And you draw us, you bring us to these markers in time, from time to time, that allow us to reflect. That allow us to consider what it is that you've been doing in our lives. And God, we want to give you praise and glory today. That's our desire. For you have been good to us. God, we face some difficult things, every single one of us, of varying degrees within this last year. Maybe 2017 for some of us was pretty dark. But I believe, God, because of your goodness, that every single one of us can find the one or two things, and maybe more, that we simply express gratitude in our hearts to you with thanksgiving for all that you've done. And God, I pray that as we do that, your peace, O living Christ, would settle into our hearts in a way that we could not even describe. It's beyond our understanding. So I invite you now, just in a place of prayer, begin to thank God for the things that he's bringing to mind. Maybe things from even a while ago, great things that happened that he did for you that you even forgot to give thanks for. What's happened in this last season where God's shown his goodness to you? I want to give us this space to finish one year and start another in a posture that says, God, we give thanks. We give thanks to you, our faithful God. Are you grateful for a way of provision that came into your life? Just thank him for it. Father, you didn't have to. Thank you for providing for our needs. Was there a a moment of truth in this last year where God awakened you to some spiritual reality and you stepped in by faith? Have you thanked him for that? He didn't have to awaken you to the truth, but he did because he loves you. Thank him for it. Has there been a moment where you know that God has sustained you, whether through an illness, a trial, a difficulty, and even if that hasn't been resolved with a nice tidy bow, you know for an absolute fact that God's spirit has been sustaining you in the midst of hard times. Don't you thank him for that? We don't just thank him for the things that are resolved. We're grateful for in the moment stuff where God's meeting us with his presence. Why don't you thank him for it?
Is there a relationship in your life that you are so grateful to God for? That, for, that person, that friend, relative, loved one. Maybe you've been in their life and they've been in yours for decades. But it's been a long time since you said, God, I thank you so much for this person. What a gift to me. Would you thank God for them? Perhaps even in the way that Thomas Merton, that quote that I read, said, even your breath is a gift from God. Have you ever thanked God that you're simply just alive, that you're here? That every breath you breathe, every beat of your heart is a gift from God himself saying, I'm alive in you. I'm alive in you. Don't you thank him for that? And I just wonder for others of us, you know, by no means is this a perfect church because it's full of people like me and you. It's not perfect. But if you thank God for the gathering of his people lately, so we have a place to come, we have a place to minister God's grace to one another, to receive the bread and the cup. We have all these things that happen here. Yeah, it's not perfect as our families aren't perfect. Have you thanked God for your family? Have you thanked God for the family of God? Just take a moment. You know, friends, when we practice this as a discipline, we start to batter down the effects of grumbling and complaining and cynicism that are running rampant in our world. And what if we, the people of Rexdale Alliance, like I said, here in the room online or in other rooms in the building today, what if we just said we are not going to give in to the way of the grumbling and the complaining and the cynicism and sarcasm of our culture? We're going to stand apart as a people of gratitude who continue to lift our hearts in thanksgiving to God. And when we do, we will experience the peace that goes beyond human description that the world is absolutely longing for. I mean, what if what was attracting people to us in the days to come wasn't our flashy programs or anything else like that, but there was this sense that there is this crazy people meeting over there at Rexdale and they have this peace about them that they can't even describe and they're truly grateful and they're truly thankful that the hunger of the heart and the community around us would be satisfied here by the very presence of Jesus as he pours out his peace upon us. That'd be worth being part of. God, you are so good to us. You have been faithful in the past. You are faithful today. You'll be faithful in the future. And not for a moment have you left us, forsaken us, walked away from us, And the truth is this, that you are God. You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. You are the one that we cling to. You are the one we ultimately need, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing a song together.
Amen. It's been so good to worship with you on this last day of 2017. Now, rumor has it uh, that there's food in the building, and uh, a lot of it, apparently. And uh, so thank you, everyone, for contributing to that. As you leave this room, for those in this room, there's two sets of stairs. Uh, as you exit the doors to your left and to your right, you can split up. Once you get your food downstairs, uh, make your way to the quads or to the youth room. And what if today the seasoning of our conversation was about gratitude, sharing with each other the kinds of things we're thankful for, even as we're thankful for the food that God's provided through us today. And so I'm going to just pray for us before our eating time and send you with a benediction. But Happy New Year, church. So good to be with you. And may God's grace be with you and for you. And God's love surround you, every single one of you. Again, here in the room, online, and other parts of the building with the love of Christ himself. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, again, we are grateful to you. For without you, we have nothing. And we believe that today, that apart from you, we can't do anything. We couldn't even pray. We couldn't worship. We couldn't eat. We couldn't anything without you. And so we see you now, God, and we acknowledge you as the sustainer, the giver of life. It's in you that we live and move and have our being. It's all because of you. And so thank you, God. We're grateful to you. And now over this food that we're going to partake of and the way that we're going to have conversation about gratitude and thankfulness. God, I pray that this people, that you've called to be Rexdale Alliance Church in this season, we would not be the kind that give in to cynicism and grumbling and complaining, but you would continue to lift us out of it by the power of your spirit to be a thankful, grateful people who know what it is to live in the peace of God that transcends human understanding, but it's absolutely real. And in this next year, God, would this be the year that is anointed by your spirit as the best that yet to come for the outpouring of your spirit on our lives and in this community and all around the world. We give ourselves to you, Jesus, for there's no one else we'd want to follow but you. We do that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great time together. Enjoy the food. God bless you.